Hey, Satoshi. Hey. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's going well. How's、uh, social distancing life? <laughs> it's been lonely, but、uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surviving it. So, <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's been, it's been, it's been,、um, it's been okay so far. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Oscar Boyd. This week, politics reporter Satoshi Sugiyama on Japan's new state of emergency, and Japanese astronaut Naoko Yamazaki about what two weeks aboard the International Space Station taught her about isolation. So, Satoshi, thank you for joining us. Last time we had you on the podcast back at the beginning of February, the world was in a very, very, very different place.、Um, it's kind of hard to believe at this point, but I think on that episode, I started out by asking you what. Coronavirus even was. I think at that point, only 15,000 people were known to be infected worldwide, most of them in China. Now we're looking at over 2 million cases around the world, and the number is still rising.、Um, I asked you how many people had tested positive for COVID 19 in Japan, and the number you said back then was only 20. Yeah. Now we've surpassed 8,000 cases in Japan, and it's still rising daily. So, Catches up what have been the major developments in Japan since we last spoke in February? Yeah, so it's been a flurry of developments. A lot of things have happened, right? So back in early February, we had Diamond Princess. And then February 28th, there was a state of emergency declared in Hokkaido. And now it was undeclared、uh, back in March 19th. And late March, the, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics was unofficially postponed. It seems like the announcement was forever ago. Yeah,、uh, it does. It really does feel like <laughs> a lifetime. It does, at this right?、Point. Yeah. And then、uh, late March, there were calls for Tokyo residents to stay indoors on weekends,、um, especially during the uh, uh, Hanami season. Uh, but all this time, the number of new cases started to increase more quickly. And then, as it got more serious, last Tuesday, April 7th, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe declared a state of emergency. And this state of emergency currently applies to seven prefectures Tokyo, Osaka, Saitama, Kanagawa, Chiba, Hyogo, and Fukuoka. Uh, 56 million people,、uh, or 45% of the entire population of the country, is affected. Then this Sunday, Hokkaido redeclared a state of emergency as it started to experience a second wave of infections, and Aichi prefectures also declared its own state of emergency. That is quite the summary and <laughs> quite the number of changes <laughs> in the it last is, two it months. It is, isn't、yeah. it? Yeah. So, why did Prime Minister Shinzo Abe decide to call the state of emergency when he did? Right. So, over the past few weeks, the number of new cases of COVID 19 were increasing significantly.、Uh, the administration was under intense pressure from public health officials and opposition lawmakers, urging the government to take swift action. And over 60% of people surveyed in Japan last month said that the government was not handling the coronavirus outbreak well.、Uh, this is the poll taken by Gallup International. And the public approval rating for Abe's cabinet、uh, fell 5.1 percentage points、uh, from the previous survey in late March to 40.4% over the handling of the crisis. Okay, so there's a lot of pressure on Abe from all different sides. and... 
I guess to some extent it's an acknowledgement that that the government was losing control of the coronavirus situation in Japan. Um, certainly early on it seemed like the spread wasn't going or wasn't increasing as much as it was in other countries. So what's, what's the main goal of Abe's state of emergency been? So Prime Minister Abe uh, said that uh, social interactions among people must be reduced by at least 70% to end this emergency declaration in a month. And why didn't he call it earlier? So for about three weeks, the government hesitated to make that decision because of its potential impact on the economy. Another big hurdle was the need to pass new legislation in order to be able to call a state of emergency in relation to COVID-19. So the economy is one thing, but for a while at least, it wasn't even possible to use COVID-19 as a reason to declare a state of emergency. Tell me a bit more about the new legislation that needed to be passed. Right, so the new legislation is an amendment to the Special Measures Act on New Influenza, which was enacted uh, in 2012. The, the Influenza Act allows the Prime Minister to declare a state of emergency in the case of a new strain of the flu that emerges that's more deadly than the usual seasonal strain of the disease. And COVID-19 was added as an amendment to this legislation. This amendment was passed in the upper house on March 13th with relative ease. Uh, there were some discussion about many legislation that would mandate uh, parliamentary approval before any declaration of state of emergency, but this was shut down. After the new legislation passed, uh, what else had to be done to actually declare the state of emergency? So basically, the government had to lay groundwork in place to call state of emergency to secure agreements with prefectures, essentially. On March 26, the government established a special coronavirus task force, which is an important prerequisite to declare a state of emergency. So what a coronavirus special task force did was to essentially facilitate uh, communication and preparation between the central government and each prefecture uh, in case a declaration of emergency needed to take place. Um, it was not until April 7th that Abe used the new powers granted to him to declare a month-long state of emergency. So the state of emergency was called on April 7th and is expected to last until May the 6th. But what additional powers does the state of emergency give the government? Right, so it authorizes governors the ability to request uh, the residents to stay home except for essential tasks such as grocery shopping and seeking medical care. Um, prefectural governments are now able to request uh, businesses to, and I quote, thoroughly implement infection control measures, unquote. Uh, the law also gives local authorities the power to direct sale of essential supplies such as medicine and food and to request or order emergency transportation of specified goods in case those items have run low. And authorities can also expropriate land and buildings to create new medical facilities in case they fall short after a dramatic rise of patients. 
And under this state of emergency, what is expected from citizens and businesses in general? So following the declaration, Tokyo Governor Yuriko Koike requested uh, the residents of the capital with a population of more than 13 million to isolate themselves until May 6th, starting at midnight of April 7th. And Abe called for a 70 to 80 percent reduction in social interaction between people. But after state of emergency was declared, uh, there was a clash between the national government and Tokyo Metropolitan Government about what exactly should be told to close. And Tokyo wanted to be more strict, but the government worried about the impact on the economy and panic buying. And what was the result of this clash between uh, Yuriko Koike and the central government? Right, so they reached an agreement eventually. So on April 10th, Governor Yuriko Koike said pachinko parlors, game centers, and the internet cafes in the metropolis will be asked to close, but izakaya pubs will be allowed to operate um, even though only until 8 p.m. And on Sunday, uh, April 12th, the government also expanded its request for residents not to patronize bars and nightclubs to the entire nation and said office work should be done from home in principle. And if commuting is necessary, businesses should reduce the number of commuters by at least 70%. It's interesting the language um that's being used when you describe this it's all been phrased in terms of requests rather than orders so i wonder if you could explain some of the limitations of the state of emergency right so even under a state of emergency uh, prefectural governors do not have the legal power to enforce restrictions and cannot really lock down cities like in the united states and europe so basically they are limited at the moment uh, to a series of requests. There are no other penalties against refusals to heed the calls from the government. Compare this to, say, France, which took a much more aggressive stance and passed legislation that gave the French authorities powers to limit the freedom of movement, the freedom to enterprise, and the freedom to congregate. And how is that legislation in France enforced? So under France's public health emergency measure, an offender could be fined 135 euro for the first time, 1,500 euro for repeated offenses within two weeks, and 3,700 euros and imprisonment up to six months for four violations in a month. So those measures are obviously much, much stricter. Why is Japan's state of emergency legislation so limited? Basically, it comes down to concerns for human rights and constitutional issues. Uh, instead of heavy-handed enforcement, the law seeks a collective sense of trust in the authority of the government requests. Uh, this is in part because of memories of civil rights abuses during World War II and because the protection of those human rights was enshrined in the post-war constitution drafted by the United States. With the lack of ability to actually enforce the state of emergency, what has been the reaction to it? Data from last week 
show that the number of people traveling to the central Tokyo area was about 60% lower than the usual. The Yamanote line, which is one of the major、uh, train lines in Tokyo, its traffic went down by 60% last week.、Uh, in Fukuoka,、uh, crowd volume fell 37%,、uh, while Osaka saw a drop of 34%. It is a big drop, but even in Tokyo, it's not yet at the 70 to 80% mark sought by the government to reduce the spread of the disease. And yeah, that 70 to 80% figure, that's again to try and end the state of emergency within one month. One problem that I've seen is the、uh, lack of ability of all firms around the country to actually let people work from home as the government desires. I saw a story. Out yesterday, that said people weren't able to work from home because they had to still officially sign things with the Hanko stamps、um, and that they couldn't do that from home. They still had to go to the office. Right. So many firms, especially small businesses, are not quite ready to adopt、uh, telecommuting. So there is a quite an interesting survey by the Tokyo Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So, out of 1,238 firms responded in this survey, 57.1% of firms with 300 or more employees have implemented telecommuting, but only 14.4% of firms with fewer than 50 employees have done so. And are they getting support for、um, increasing the amount of teleworking and for abiding by the government's requests? So, the government has repeatedly asked、uh, business leaders, industrial lobbies to、uh, adopt telecommuting, but the reality is not many firms have been able to,、uh, have been able to respond to such requests. We'll be back after this. Hey, it's Oscar. If you want to get the latest episodes of Deep Dive straight to your device, subscribe to us on whichever podcasting platform you're using. Or, better yet, join our brand new mailing list to get updates straight to your inbox whenever a new episode is released. Visit jtimes.jpslash deep dive sub to get started, and that link will be in the show notes. Cheers. So, if there is no You know, legal way to enforce the state of emergency. Why would these measures actually be effective? So, I think that is because a lot of people take the situation seriously and are supportive of the emergency declaration. A survey conducted、uh, by the Mainichi Shimbun, one of the major newspapers in the country, reported、uh, 72% support for state of emergency. And 70% of respondents even said that the move came too late. And I think people took coronavirus more seriously、uh, after they see a number of the infected keeps skyrocketing, keeps rising, and the death of Ken Shimura, a very renowned Japanese comedian who passed away. Uh, due to COVID 19. And is there an argument that people just heed advice from the government more closely in Japan than
they might do in other countries? I would say so. Yes, people tend to heed the advice from the government um, because the emergency law essentially seeks, again, as I mentioned, seeks a collective sense of trust in authority of the government requests, and people are generally expected to comply with uh, the request from the government. One of the major measures we've seen from countries around the world to try and keep people at home is a great deal of government support for businesses and individuals, um, either to pay uh, money directly to individuals if they've been affected by the coronavirus, they've lost jobs, etc., or by paying companies or subsidizing companies to keep their staff on employment through this crisis. So have we seen much in the way of government support for businesses and individuals during this state of emergency? Right. So the the, the cabinet, uh, the Abe cabinet approved uh, economic emergency economic package but the central government has been very um, passive in referring to the possibility of making such direct compensation, making up the loss for all businesses affected by COVID-19. Abe said it's just simply not too realistic. Mm-hmm. In Tokyo, uh, firms will be eligible for up to 500,000 yen in compensation for closing a business and 1 million yen if they shut multiple businesses. So that's between 5,000 and 10,000 US dollars for actually closing down these businesses, which is really not a huge amount, especially if you're comparing that to regular turnover in a city like Tokyo. What about on a more individual level? Has the Japanese government set aside much for direct compensation? So the Japanese government set aside about 4 trillion yen to provide about 300,000 yen to each household whose incomes have fallen by more than half or slipped to a level that would allow residential tax exemptions uh, due to the outbreak of this virus. And the government is reportedly considering distributing 100,000 yen per person um, with some income restrictions um, as an additional measure. Still, it's not a huge amount of money. It's not a huge amount of compensation, especially when we compare it to some of the uh, European countries which have taken a very proactive stance in compensating their workers. Right. So if people are not compensated, um, what is to stop them from going to work uh, to make a living. Uh, that is one of the central debates taking place in the society at this moment. If people refuse to obey the government requests under the state of emergency, what are the next steps? Right, so if institutions refuse to obey the requests, uh, prefectural governments could then instruct, which is understood to be an order, uh, them to close down and also disclose the entity's names, essentially shaming them publicly. Legally, they can do this, but they haven't gone down that road yet. And if they take these steps, would that lead to further issues around compensation and who should 
perhaps receive money to close? I think so. I mean, if if this again, this is the government's if the government's order, uh, if the government's instruction, that kind of gives uh, business orders more of uh, an argument to say, "Hey, we are complying with your instruction, and please provide more support." And if the number of daily infections continues to rise, which we've been seeing it do. Health Minister Katsunobu Kato said yesterday that the number of people infected with COVID-19 in Japan had doubled in the week since the government declared a state of emergency over the epidemic. So if that number of daily infections continues to rise, what might we see down the line? Could we see new legislation? Well, if the number of new cases continue to rise and people do not adhere to requests for social distancing, uh, there may be additional legal measures um, I think one of important benchmarks that will guide future measures uh, is the rate of infection at the two-week point after the state of emergency was declared, which is next week. So if it continues to increase and the current measures aren't working, we may see a need for stricter action. But with any new measure, uh, there will be a huge amount of debate about how far they should go. I think what we have seen transpire over the last week is that the central government really doesn't want to damage the economy. Compare this to Tokyo, where Governor Koike has been pushing to take much more drastic measures now to rapidly lower the rate of infection and to protect the public health. Any new policy will probably strike some form of compromise between those two schools of thought and the reality of the situation on the ground. That was Japan Times politics reporter Satoshi Sugiyama, and you can find all of his excellent reporting online on the Japan Times website. Up next, what Japanese astronaut Naoko Yamazaki learned about isolation from two weeks aboard the International Space Station. Hello. Hi, this is Naoko. I'm sorry for giving you wait. Not at all. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing recently? Oh, well, good. But just, you know, quarantined. Whereabouts are you? Are you in, uh, are you in Tokyo or, or nearby? Uh, I'm in Kanagawa Prefecture. So almost the same situation. I, I wanted to talk to you because I think you might have a very interesting perspective on the whole isolation and quarantine thing because you spent time in one of the most isolated places not even on earth but in the orbit of earth on the international space station so i was wondering whether you had any tips for anyone who is struggling with being in self-isolation or being in closed spaces for the first time well yes as you mentioned the international space station iss it's a kind of isolated place because we cannot go outside we cannot even open the windows we have to spend 
24 hours with the same people at the same place. If you go outside for work or for schools, then you can separate your home place, your private space, and your work's place. And by doing that, you can switch your emotions or your feelings and you can be refreshed. But in an isolated situation, like in the ISS or the current situation, it's difficult to switch your feelings. So the tips is to uh, keep some time to be relaxed intentionally. If you work at home, just, you know, keep away from the computers and doing something else for at least 10 minutes per hour or so. So you have to create your time to be refreshed intentionally. What did you do to separate your work and life and relax on the International Space Station? Oh, good question. Well, the good thing of ISS has a beautiful view from the window. <laughs> the earth is so breathtaking. So whenever, so whenever I take a look from the window, uh, I get refreshed on the ISS. And also, uh, when mm, I have break, I get some hot tea or hot, you know, green tea or hot tea. Then it helps. They have that on the space station? Yes, exactly. ISS has hot water and we can bring the coffee powder or tea powder or green tea powder. So we can make hot tea or hot coffee. And also I bring a small koto, which is a Japanese guitar, to the ISS and play sometime when I have a free time. So if you have some hobbies, just do it. Or even you can start your new hobby. So doing something else, what you like, is, I think it's important. How did you communicate with family back on Earth while you were up in orbit? We have an internet on the ISS, so we can send emails each other. And I could call my family or friends from the ISS, but they couldn't call me from the ground. So it's just one way talk. But still, whenever I have a connection by phone, it is so much fun. Mm. And once a week for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, we had time for video conference with the ground. So I appreciated that time as well because we could see each other. And did you do anything in that time to try and bridge the physical gap? You know, um, once a week was not good enough. So we exchanged emails almost every day. So we have to, you know, combine several types of communication to get a bridge each other. Mm -hmm. One of the things I imagine that's really difficult about living on this International Space Station is that you're in a very small space for a long period of time. Did you ever get time alone in the space station or how, how did you get on with people in cramped quarters the whole time? For myself, I went to the ISS by space shuttle. In the space shuttle, the cockpit was much smaller and we spent three days uh, on a space shuttle cockpit, in a space shuttle cockpit with 
seven crew members. So at that time, it was very packed, and there is no private room. So the only the privacy is kept on in a sleeping bag. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> it's in a common place. <laughs> We're like families because we trained together before going up to space for one or two years. So during that training period, we get to know each other very well. So we kind of like a family. But uh, mm, interestingly enough, when I went to the ISS, it has a bigger space, but uh, the people, the size of the people got extended from seven of the space shuttle's crew sites to the 13 of the ISS total crew members. With the 13 crew members, there are several dynamics as well. And how did you deal with that? Hmm. Just keep concentrated on what you're doing. And the basics uh, is very important, like greetings every morning. Hey, say good morning. How are you? What's going on? And uh, so the regular conversation is very important. And because, you know, in the daytime, we were so busy, so we didn't have so much time to chat each other. But in the morning or at night at dinner, we intentionally created time to chat with the crewmates. And that's very important. And do you have any habits from the space station that you're finding work surprisingly well now that you're in isolation in Kanagawa? I think that keeping your routine is important. And that helps me as well. Because um, if you go outside for work or schools at regular time, you know, your resume is kept regularly. But uh, if you stay home, you know, you can be more flexible, which is good, but uh, you will get to, you know, easy, easily lose your resume. So wake up at certain time and uh, go to bed at a certain time and keep your resume and keep your routine. Okay, so when you go uh, after breakfast, let's have a, some cup of coffee or something like that. Even a small routine helps you to keep your reason. So I think it's important. Also, mm, enjoy yourself, enjoy your free time. How are you enjoying your free time now? Now, oh, yes. I'm enjoying, you know, reading books because, you know, I stuck many books, <laughs> which I didn't read so far, but, but I, want, I wanted to read. And actually communicating with more people than before. So I think that I feel I'm connected more now. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And I hope you're safe and I hope all the rest of your family is safe during what is quite a difficult time. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention. Mm. Yeah, the important thing is, I think, to keep purposes. For the ISS, you know, of course, the purpose is to maintain the ISS and uh, international collaboration, and it's an all the humankind benefits. And currently, I think staying at home is to help um, myself and also uh, the society and the people mm. who work at the hospitals and who maintain the society. So staying at home has a good purpose to 
you know, save yourself and save the society. So don't forget the purpose. Nalko, thank you very much. Well, Oscar, thank you so much. This morning, the government task force tracking group infections of the coronavirus stressed the need to reduce human-to-human contact to contain the epidemic, saying up to 420,000 people in Japan could die in the absence of preventative measures. In other news, Satoshi Sugiyama reports that Prime Minister Abe has said it is impossible for the government to directly compensate losses among individuals and entrepreneurs. But regional governors have rebuked his government over its hesitance to take bold financial measures. The absence of such measures is leaving many business owners no choice but to continue operations amid the pandemic, despite the government's plea to drastically cut back on person-to-person interactions. You've been listening to Deep Dive with me, Oscar Boyd. Our guests this week were Japanese astronaut Nako Yamazaki and Japan Times politics reporter Satoshi Sugiyama. My thanks to both of them for joining me today and cooperating with my request to make this podcast remotely. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe, rate us and review us on whichever podcasting platform you're using and find more stories from the Japan Times online at japantimes.co.jp. All our staff and contributors are working insanely hard right now to keep the paper going and there's plenty up there that's well worth a read. Thank you as always for listening and until next time, podskarasama. Podskarasama.